I've been just spending just tons of money on Blu-rays. I got stuff coming. I got stuff that just arrived. I, I'm just I, I go crazy uh, when I have extra money. <laughs> I hear that. Um, I never have extra money. I just spend everything I have on movies and comic books. And then just let the regret the regret just it start. Didn't it start, sometimes afterwards. you just sit there in bed and you start looking at it and you're like, <laughs> I could have spent this on something that really matters. <laughs> you know what's crazy is I always think of that later when I when there's something I need. Like for yeah. example, recently, um, my SD card for my camera like got filled yeah. up, and it lasted about a year. It was like 128 gigabytes, and I need to buy a new one. And it's like maybe I shouldn't have bought all of those movies like a week ago, and I could have spent the you know. 20 to 30 bucks to buy a new one but hey you know live and let yeah. live i guess <laughs> <laughs> but um yes we are here back on the cinema discovery project i think this is uh, we're into the 40s now another episode yeah, i think i think this is 41 yeah. we're getting close to Maybe? we're getting close to that big 50 big i 50. know i consider 40 a big number i guess it's an underrated it's, it's big an number. underrated big number yeah yes but, but i am andrew cabral and you are Stephen billings me. the co-hosts of the Cinema Discovery Project or Cinema Discovery Project depending on if you want to call it the or not the it really all depends on where you know, you're searching I mean online. sometimes you like movies with a the in front of them I mean yeah you know, like yeah like, it's like the whatever the fly. can't even think of it oh the fly or just or for example Joker which we talked about last week is not called the Joker movie it's just called it just called Joker, Joker. yeah um which I um you know, realized a lot when we were going over that I constantly remember, had to remind myself not to say the in front of do, Joker. Do you think with the new Batman movie, it's going to be called The Batman? I'm guessing, I think that's what the unofficial title is right now, which is called The Batman. But I, my guess is they're going to change that eventually. This has to be just like a working title. They haven't even like started shooting that thing yet, yeah. so for who knows what it's going to look like. Um, but before we get into our main topic of the week, which is taking a kind of uh, a more focused look on art house horror movies. We're doing this, you know, just in time for yes. Halloween. I'll, I'll try to get. It I'll is, try to get this out before, like on yeah. Halloween. Yeah. yeah, it is October 29th, so Halloween is in two days, and it's a very special time for many people, both children and adults. If you are on social media, you'll notice those two things where uh, it's Halloween's not just for a certain age demographic anymore it's for kind of everybody <laughs> i think it's always it, I kind guess. of been like that i mean like, i guess I mean, maybe i just gotten older and just didn't notice it um i mean i mean i mean, I I was mean younger, as the adults you know? are becoming more like uh children, children? <laughs> they continue to go out and they party and wear costumes and me well everybody you know. like tries to hold on to their youth for as long as they possibly can just can't let I mean, it every go. once in a while just i think about the it. idea of, of maybe this halloween i'll go out and do something we we almost decided to go to a big party uh, for this, mm. but we, we, we just, no. We're just like, no, nah, we got yeah. too much going on. I got a wedding we're planning and the, and all that stuff, and it's too much going on. So we just, we're, we like staying at home. Well, home is where I like to stay, <laughs> um, and because that's where all my movies yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, I'm very like protective of my movies. I'm very protective of them, but um, in the movie world, I guess segueing, uh, there was one major uh, death this this past week, and we, like we mentioned last time, we don't like to talk about the deaths too much anymore. Okay, but I think this one's also it, yeah. Important. It's it, you know we try to keep you know I mean everybody's important, um, true, but but true. but you know sometimes when there's a, a major player that goes out, we like to to bring mm. it up and and pay tribute. Correct, and this is one 
Robert Evans, who passed away on October 26, 2019. And you may be wondering, who is Robert Evans? Well, Robert Evans was a big-time producer back in the day, back pretty much predominantly in the 1970s, where his most of his most well-known work is. And the reason why is because at the time, he was the head of Paramount Pictures. Um, I think we're going to go over a kind of that his that portion of movie history, especially in American movie history, um, at some point in the future. But basically, back at that point in the 70s, you have New Hollywood, Scorsese, Spielberg, Coppola, Lucas, all those people. And he was part of that generation. If you're interested more about him specifically and that era, there are two documentaries out there that I think are well worth your time. One is A Decade Under the Influence, and the other one is based off of the book of the same name, I believe called Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, and they're both very good documentaries, and they both go over that time pretty significantly. But if you're interested in what specifically Robert Evans had his hand in, he produ- he was the producer on The Godfather, Chinatown, Godfather Part Two, Marathon Man, uh, things of that move. Those are the you know big time movies. And he also had his hands in uh, other films later on, things like Urban Cowboy, uh, Popeye, which is kind of Robert Waltman's only mainstream movie. But things kind of like, um, you know, he, he didn't have much to do after that. But he was a big-time player back in the day. Those are some significant movies early on in his career. There's also another documentary. I think it's called The Kid Stays in the Picture or something like that, where it's a documentary specifically about... Um, Robert Evans, um, and I think it's also based on a book of the same name, and it's 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 something I think a lot of like cinephiles kind of kind of go for. Yeah, it's called the Kid Stays in the Picture. It's a it's an autobiography um, by film producer Robert Evans. A film adaptation of the book it was released in two thousand and two, so that's what that is. Um, but yeah, he's kind of someone who was significant in getting those movies off the ground. So we thought we would at least mention him. Um, he's also, like, been around a lot. Like, he always shows up to, like, you know, big-time Hollywood parties and big things and reunions and all kind of stuff. So pe- people have, like, seen him at events and stuff. So that's also kind of significant as well. Um, I don't know if there's anything else Stephen wanted to mention uh, that, that happened big-time this week in the world of movies. I mean, a lot of things A lot happened, of things are happening. Know. I mean, we're, we're not a news things show. We're not necessarily a news we're show. We're not a news show, but things are... Yeah, there's a lot things of things going moving. on. People dropping out of Star Wars. People, you know... <laughs> yeah, I mean, people dropping out of Star Wars. That whole uh, Scorsese Marvel thing has, has continued to go on. A life of its own. Yeah. I mean, just briefly, briefly covering that. Basically, um, he has like, commented on it again, like another two times. And the most recent thing I heard is now... Is he kind of says they're a new version of uh, of a they're new a, form? They're of a art. different form of cinema. Yeah, yeah, they're a different form of cinema. They're a new art form of cinema. And his main concern, and pretty much I think what we've assumed from the beginning, is that he's concerned about the cinemas themselves only expositioning these films and just ignoring the other films. Sure, the smaller films. I think that's kind of what his main point is. Uh, we recently uh, Coppola decided to put his name in that his thing in the hat where he called the movies despicable. <laughs> but then today he came out and said that he like those were those were um, you know that's not quite what he meant. He's just not a big fan of franchises or about you know making. He thinks they're a form of making the same movie over and over again, which is kind of something we we talked about in our last episode as well. That that's kind of the problem with big franchises is 
a lot of his movies tend to look the same after a while. He commented on that. Ken Loach, who I guess people give a damn about what Ken Loach has to say. <laughs> he came out did didn't really doesn't really like the the big tentpole movies either. Kind of makes sense. He's kind of that part of that same generation of Coppola yeah. and Scorsese, even older, I think. So that's kind of like a little update on that. But if Steven doesn't have anything else after no. that to say, I guess we can get into our main delicious topic for mm. this time of year. Delicious apple. Delicious appetizing. Appetizing pumpkin-filled apple. Mm. Uh, there's, uh, wait, pumpkin can you put pumpkins spice. in apples? Oh, wow, that's weird. I don't know. You can Apparently you can put pumpkins in anything this time ah, of year yes. because that is literally what that's people what everybody do. does. There's I made pumpkin some pumpkin everything. seeds. I made some pumpkin roasted pumpkin seeds with cinnamon. Delish. Oh, I haven't I haven't heard about Delish. that in thirty years. We I think I did that once when I was in like in kindergarten. Oh well thanks, maybe, man. Thanks like thanks for making me well, feel I mean, like I... I was a kid for, for doing that. <laughs> I to be honest, I haven't carved a pumpkin since I was a little kid. I also kid did either. that I too. Mean, yeah, thanks, honestly, man. Appreciate I don't it. do any like ritual traditional things. I'm just so You're just uh, an old man. man. You're just an old man. I guess I'm man. just boring. The thing is, I've always been like that. Even since when I was a kid, I was actually just telling my parent, my my dad earlier today that like, even when I was a kid, I really didn't even want to go out trick or treating. I just did it because everybody else was doing it. Yeah. I don't know what that says about me. I guess that just says I was an introvert my entire life. But it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds about. You right. You just wanted to be in your basement watching movies. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess. But well, I guess back then I just didn't well one i never liked candy i like chocolate but i never liked candy yeah. candy so like i like all the goods weren't like good for me at the time like i wasn't sure. i wasn't looking to hoard up on candy for one you know one night a, a year um but so and the, uh, keeping yeah. in the hollywood yeah. horror horror halloween theme i guess this is our spooky episode of the year we're gonna be talking art house horror and People don't seem to realize that horror is a lot more nuanced than people tend to give it credit for. Sure. And there's a lot of um, just things that uh, people aren't aware that there's there's an extensive amount of subgenres. And art house horror isn't particularly one of them specifically, but I think it's one of them that uh, we think believe exists you know what i mean like it's a thing to us if you're like looking up on wikipedia or something like that you're really not maybe going to find art house horror um but you'll find you'll find art house horror films within a bunch of other subgenres. Yeah. but let's just talk about art house horror art house horror has been around for a very long time and we covered some of it when we did our horror genre overview episode or a, a year ago essentially and we kind of just went, you know, like decade by decade, like like horror phase to horror phase, just going over a bunch of different things. And it really has its origins back in the silent era yeah. when it comes to films like Nosferatu and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and the Doctor and the Doctor Mabuse films, um, things like that. And you know, even like um, talked about it before Faust. Faust is another one. Yeah, it just it has its origins way back then, and it also I think extends into um, German expressionism yeah. and and things like that that was happening in the twenties and into the thirties. Things like and you have people like you know F. W. Myrna. You have people like Fritz Lang. You who was doing like uh, like I think M is an art house horror film. Definitely, definitely can be. I mean, it's a I kid. Mean, that, it's a guy that's a child murderer. I mean. I mean, it's it's not yeah, not I mean. not in your face, <laughs> but it's 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 definitely got scary elements to it. 
Oh, of course. I think I think when you're thinking of, you know, anything like that, it's really, um, you know, that, that that's a horror. Anything can be horrific if it scares you. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> For, you know what I mean? But extending from that, and I think kind of what we really want to concentrate on is more modern stuff. Before we even get into more modern stuff, um, there's like lots and lots of art house horror films that have been around throughout the decades and a lot of them have been within the foreign film genre yeah. which is something that um a lot of people don't know about and there's a lot of fans out there who kind of dismiss foreign films saying oh i don't want to read subtitles or oh i don't care about different languages or well you know whatever there's very narrow minded what's, what's funny about that is is a uh... Some of the best ones. Well, some of the best ones films. are foreign films, and the fact that America's uh, they they know that because they keep rema- remaking all of them. They do actually <laughs> keep remaking. Them. I mean, just the other night I rewatched I watched the remake of Suspiria, which is you know the which is a remake of a film from 1977 by Dario Argento, who was an Italian filmmaker, and a lot of those giallo films from the 60s and 70s by Mario Bava. Um, Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento are art house horror films, for lack of a better you know, description for them. Some of them are in English. Some of them are not in English. Some of them are black and white. Some of them aren't even particularly scary. A lot of them are just dealing with kind of like murder mysteries and yeah. stuff like that. But I would consider them art house horror because they're not... Um, you know what I think traditional they're horror not, films um, are. Illic- they're not illicitly uh, trying to scare you. They're not in your face trying to scare you. Um, they're more depending on um, using certain images and certain um, maybe sound effects and things. They're using very subtle things to try to scare you instead of yeah. They're you know yeah. They're using. Um more like aesthetics and atmosphere and things like that and those kind of traits i think carry over to a lot of the modern art house horror films but i think let me mention a couple of older art house horror films that i think a lot of people probably um know about but haven't um even gotten their hands onto yet or even think of our art house horror films and i think right away um um, something like uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead, yeah. which is like I think his first film, yeah. and I want to mention David Lynch because he just got his honorary Oscar at the Governor's Awards. Um, I think last night or the night before last. Anywho, you can look that up and you can see the video of his acceptance speech. Basically, anybody who's ever been in a David Lynch film was was there, like Kyle <laughs> MacLachlan and Laura Dern and Isabella Rossellini was there. Um, there's um, uh, um, what am I saying? Okay, some other films here, like The Wicker Man from 1973. If you've never seen The Wicker Man, do not watch the Nicolas Cage remake Garbage in, in, unless Unless you want to laugh. <laughs> unless you want to. <laughs> unless you want to laugh. Because the original Wicker Man is like this uh, like psychological, sexual, weird cult movie with um, the late great, um, you know, what's his name is in it, uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah is in it uh Britt Eklund is in it um it's a it's 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 a weird movie I'll tell it's you it's got a very big influence on a on a one modern one we'll t- probably talk about a little later yeah probably will um I really wish these movies were in chronological order because it's just me kind of going through them trying to find the older ones um Quieten is another film that's part of the Criterion collection I know it's a film that both 
Steven and I really love. Yeah, it's a it, it's and, a great. Um, and it, it's uh, kind of like in a uh, what's the it's a different story. Four, yeah, yeah, it's four different stories. They don't really yeah. connect, but they're four different kind of like short stories. Yeah, they're like ghost stories, yeah. like four different ghost stories, and it's directed by Masaki uh, Kobayashi, yeah. and he is a great, great film director. He's someone I don't think a lot of people know who he is. He kind of gets lost when it comes to like Kurosawa and Ozu. He did and all ha- those guys. He directed Harakiri. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, Samurai Rebellion. He did also like The Human Condition. Um, yeah, he did some, <laughs> some not upper movies. They're not <laughs> those uppers. Movies no, are not they're uppers. definitely not uppers. <laughs> the movies are not uppers. Um, there are other um, movies like Jigoku, which is, has an insane, like, hell sequence in the movie where it's just absolutely bonkers. Uh, that movie came out in 1960, and it's a Japanese film um, by Nabuyo Nakagawa. And, man, that movie's kind of crazy. I want to see if... And there's another one called um, Onibaba. Yeah. It's actually one that... Uh, William Friedkin recommended a while ago. I think it was when he was... I don't know if it was when he was in the Criterion Closet or when he was just doing an interview where he was talking about Onibaba. And he was like, yeah, this movie is just like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And just like this person like can't get this mask off their face. And it's a really, really good film. It's from 19, um, 1964, directed by Kaneto Shindo. And Kaneto Shindo, if I remember correctly... Um, yeah, he did like the Naked Island and other films that are on the Criterion Collection, as well. Um, yeah, I think he did a Zatoichi film, too, if I remember correctly. But there is a lot of films from back then, um, like uh, the Eyes Eyes Without a Face is a French film that is incredible, incredible art house film, uh, foreign film. And it's really, really creepy. Um, the Hour of the Wolf is Ingmar Bergman. And for me, I think Ingmar Bergman has done more than just one horror movie. But I think this is his most like traditionally considered a horror movie, yeah. is Hour of the Wolf. It, of course, stars um, you know Max von Sydow, uh, Liv Ullman is in it. Um, so his usual players are in it. And it's a... It's it's a, it's a horror movie traditionally, but I think some of his other movies are also horror movies to me. Like something like um, The Virgin Spring, I think is a horror movie. I mean, it was literally um, remade later on as The Last House on the Left, Wes Craven's like first movie. It's literally the same plot. Granted, Wes Craven's movie is way more explicit and is more like snuff film-esque yeah, yeah. Than, than The Virgin Spring, <laughs> but I consider that a horror movie. Um, and you have other films here, like In the Realm of the Senses, uh, Na- uh, Nagisa Oshima. Um, then there's uh, November, which is another... I, No, November is a Rainer Barnett film. Um, yeah, and then you get into... Most of the stuff I've been saying is like 70s, 60s era. Um, and then you get into kind of... The 80s had their own stuff. 80s is a weird decade in general for horror. Because 80s is when, like, the slasher films yeah. kind of reign supreme. And there wasn't a lot of kind of, like, art house stuff in there, but apparently there was. You have movies like Possession from 1981. You have, um, I would even say Blue Velvet, to me, is an art house horror film. That's another David Lynch film. Um, let's see some of the other ones here. 
Um, Steve, are there any ones that you can think of? Yeah, not from, from the eight, like you said, the eighties. There's just not a, a big crop of them. Um, none that I've seen, at least. Um, no, and it's like I've been I've been doing my um, like thirty one days of like horror. Um, you know, thirty one days of watching you know horror movies every single day, and a lot of the stuff from the eighties has been all slashers. Like I was watching like Slumber Party Massacre yeah. and like like sl- like Sleepaway Camp Massacre and stuff like that. And the, and the um, thing is too is I mean obviously as always this stuff is subjective. You know there some some of this stuff you might not that we talk about you might not consider to be you know arty or you might you know you know especially some of the older ones you might not consider them to be right. arty. But uh, and you know our yeah this I mean, is kind of this is kind of our tough. personal yeah. categorization of of this genre. Um, yeah, you've got, yeah, I mean, there's some here I forgot to forget, uh, I forgot to mention, uh, Ugetsu, which is an amazing horror film from 1953. Um, it's a film that is directed by Kenji, Kenji Mizuguchi, um, really good horror film. Um, there's another one in there, Kura Neko is another, um, art house horror film. I feel like I'm literally just going to be reciting the entire Criterion yeah. Collection because all the one, all these movies are in the Criterion Collection now that I look at it. And the next one here is um, uh, Salo or 120 Days yeah, of Sodom which is one yeah. of the most notorious um, it's one of the most notorious like art house horror films. Like it's one of the ones where like like if you watch that movie like you're you're a real you're a real cinephile. Yeah. It's a movie that, by Pier Paolo Pasolini very controversial director. Um, he was basically killed for the movies that he was making back in the day. Um, Salo is known for being extremely graphic. And that's one of these things with these art house horror films. Is they can be extremely graphic because they take lots of chances and they do things other um, films aren't doing. And they do them in an in a artistic way in which like they're not typically exploitative. They're more disturbing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like slasher films, like somebody getting their throat cut or decapitated or something like that. Like 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 that. That's almost enter, like exploitative entertainment where you're like, ooh, wow, look at that. Oh, I can't believe that. These films are more like, oh wow, that's really messed up. Like I'm really disturbed by this by this scene that I'm watching. You know, a lot of these films can have very disturbing uh, material when it comes to, um, you know just kind of human brutality where it comes to like rape or murder. Um, Even like animal cruelties in some of these movies, I'm thinking of like Cannibal Holocaust is one of the most notorious films for animal cruelty where they pretty much really, they really killed animals in that movie. It's pretty horrific. Well, a lot of times in Um, these, I mean, of course it it can, it can change, but you know, a lot of times I I feel uh, like in these art house um, horrors, instead of showing you something awful that, is actually happening in the in the real um they do it through psychological means you mm. know like like uh yes. they're reliving something in their mind um and that's how the horror you you get that dread dread feel for the film you know um the surrealistic feel um and how it's presented yeah. through their through their imagery um yeah they're often uh films that um perhaps have different plot structures they are they may be non-linear or sometimes they have no plot structure at all like yeah. you're just watching like random shit happening <laughs> for the lack of a better term and you have no idea 
like what's this plot what's happening what's going on because you're so used to seeing like a you structure know, a, that, yeah yeah structure like a like a goes to b b goes to c da, 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 da. three act structure you know rise and fall you know you know climax and you know ending and all that kind of stuff some of these movies don't have those things that's why when people go to see them they they're like i don't understand it therefore i think it's bad which i think is kind of a, a narrow-minded um way to look at some of these things and it, you really kind of have to really open up your mind well, and, and and be uh open to a lot of different people, things people would rather dismiss something nowadays than actually discuss it you know and... or or actual like you know think about it or like extrapolate more from it than what's on the surface yeah. that's what a lot of these films um, do is they they're not surface level movies. Yeah. If anything, what's happening on the surface is often sometimes meaningless. Yeah. Like literally, the actions of these characters is, is pointless because w- it's not about that. It's about what their actions are saying yeah. versus what you know you know what's actually happening. For example, um, I mean, I guess we'll get into more modern stuff. Um, you know, some modern stuff I think are more are kind of catching people a little off off guard because I think they're they're starting to get bigger expositions in terms of like, you know, you know, where um what people um you know, how many people can actually see it. You know what sure. I mean? I mean they're like getting a, bigger distributions. That's yeah, what I'm saying. I mean like yeah. the Babadook. Yeah, like the Babadook or even like the witch. Yeah. Um something like that. Or um even like uh for example, one of my favorites is Under the Skin. Yeah. Under the Skin is a movie that has absolutely no damn plot to it nope. whatsoever, and it's absolutely brilliant it's a, it, because it's, yeah. it's it's psycho, it's so psychologically immersive, and it's actually if you break down that movie, it's about I mean this is kind of spoilerish territory here. It's an alien kind of discovering human, you it's, know, just humanity, and not understanding it at all. Or trying to be human and not and not it's just it's, not. It's kind of like a working. little bit of a. It's a different version of the man that fell to earth. Yes, you know. Yeah, the man that fell to earth is yeah, David Bowie. Good. David uh, Bowie, where it's yeah. about an alien that comes to earth and he's trying to. Was, huh. Yeah, yeah. I was. I'm trying to remember who directed. I think it was. Um, that's uh, Rick, Nicholas Rogue. Nicholas Rogue. Yeah. I almost said Eric Romer, and I'm like, that's <laughs> not right. <laughs> that's not right. But yeah, it's it's uh, a, you know, an alien comes to earth and he's trying to you know learn more about earth and then get, kind of gets wrapped up in it um and you know with under the skin it, it kind of it's it, it's similar to that but there's like the uh it's an alien who is taking the human form of scarlett johansson and is basically like luring people to basically be um kind of abducting people like which abducting you know. people but then executing them um to like for like their meat, like meat processing, it's a it has a plot to it, but you wouldn't have guessed what the plot is. And what's so crazy about that movie is I think it was shot over like several years. The guy who directed Nicholas, it is a very particular director. Nicholas, is it Jonathan Jonathan Glazer? Jonathan Glazer, yeah. Jonathan Glazer who directed such films as uh, Birth with Nicole Kidman, Sexy Beast, uh, which is one of my favorites, with um, oh man, with uh, Ben Kingsley as Don Logan, and I think. Uh, Ray Winstone is in it. Uh, yeah, Ian McShane is in it for a very, very small role. But yeah, but he directed that. And he's apparently he's like kind of a perfectionist. So this movie took several years to make. And so Scarlett Johansson was probably in it before she 
had become a huge, huge star yeah. that she is now. Because this movie came out in 2013, for everybody keeping track at home. And, yeah, so she it's shot in, like, a documentary-esque style. And what we come to learn is that, like, some of the people that she, that she like, abducts like weren't didn't even know that it was a movie they were making. It was just like regular people on the street. Yeah. And it was just like it's that level of like rawness. And a lot of these films can be very, very raw or they can be very, very stylized to the point where like it's almost a fantasy. So the art house genre I think ranges significantly yeah. when it comes to how these films are made or how these films are are, you know, aesthetically perceived. Um yeah, I really like under the skin was just a crazy crazy movie to me and then you have movies like um um and then you got movies you got movies by other foreign filmmakers in the last like 20 30 years which are i, I guess not controversial eh, controversial let's throw it out there Lars von Trier <laughs> Lars von Trier is a i think Danish film Danish um i can't remember if he's Danish or not but um it's one of those those countries from Eastern Europe. Um, no, yeah, Denmark. He's from Denmark, um, which I guess is Danish. Yes, yeah, so you're right. right. You're right. And he's been doing movies for a while, but he's controversial just because his movies are very. What's what I'm looking for? Explicit. They're not even explicit. They're raw. They're out there. They're crazy movies. They're movies that um, that show very um, weird thing. That show things that people don't tend to like. I mean, um, for example, Antichrist. The opening of Antichrist, I'm going to warn you people here, is so is a very explicit sexual scene of, like, full people having sex in a shower. Like, it's really explicit. And Antichrist is probably one of his most notorious movies because it is crazy. It's entirely, it's allegorical, it's trippy, it's surreal, it's about, like man versus nature and just like crazy crazy things and the further the film goes on the the crazier it gets it gets more and more trippy more and more involved and he's a very controversial filmmaker for several reasons i mean what his biggest thing is like when uh his film melancholia premiered at Cannes film festival like back in i don't know 2011 i guess he like he famously said like he like empathized with like Nazis or something like that or he felt like a Nazi or something stupid like that it's actually something extremely tame compared to now when we have literally have Nazis marching in the streets yeah. in some places he, he, um, it's extremely he, tame he, but he got like kicked out of can for like yeah. life or they brought him back anyways for for like for the house that Jack built and he, stuff he like has that. an but interesting people walk per, out of he has mind. an interesting perspective yeah. very very yeah, interesting he, mind he, yeah his films are very unique. I mean, he he's part of that Dogma 95 group of filmmakers who like wanted to make movies that were like brought down to like like their raw like raw intentions. Like basically he wanted to bring it back to almost like they wanted to bring film back to like a ne uh Italian neorealist level yeah. and stuff like that, which I think they kind of abandoned pretty quickly. But he did films like um Breaking the Waves also on the yeah. Criterion collection, shocker there. Um, he did um, Dogville. He did, like I said, Antichrist, Melancholia, Nymphomaniac, Volume One and Two, The House That Jack Built, which is his most recent film, which I just saw the other night. And that film is controversial, of course. Yeah. People walked out at Cannes because of that, and and things like that. But um, there are other like not there's there's someone like uh, Gaspar Noé, who did films like Enter the Void, yeah. 
and he did a film like Irreversible, where the entire movie is shown in reverse. Yeah, I believe, and that film has a one of the most like gruesome rape scenes in film you know, that you'll ever see. Um, Enter the Void, basically, like I think somebody dies, and his basically his um his like consciousness is kind of like floating around. Um, I haven't seen Enter the Void, and I haven't seen actually. Did he do Beyond Westfield. the Rainbow too? Isn't that him? Um, is that him too? Or is that, that or is that the, somebody? That else. might be the guy that did a Mandy. He did. Oh, I think that's um. I think that's the guy who did Mandy. Yeah. Um. Uh. Recently, he did uh, Climax. He also did that movie Love, which which a few years ago, which like literally had like like really raw sexual stuff in it. I mean, if you look at the poster, it's it's pretty raw. <laughs> it's like, I mean, uh, it's pretty, 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 uh, pretty explicit. And with foreign film, um, sexuality and sexual stuff. Yeah, we talked about is that. Yeah, way more. We've talked about it many times, but it's like it's way more open and way more uh, shown than it is here in the United States. Uh, violence is one of those one of their bigger, bigger problems. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, I was talking about um, Enter the Void. Enter the Void, yeah. A, f- a French drug, de- drug dealer living in Tokyo was betrayed by his best friend and killed in a drug deal. His soul, observing the repercussions of death, seeks resurrection. Yeah, so the whole film is like told in like a POV-type angle where he's kind of like floating around and seeing different things, his soul, essentially. Um, I haven't seen any of Gaspar Noé's films, um, surprisingly. Um that's kind of one of my biggest blinds. Yeah, spots. that cli- I almost got a chance to see Climax. It's it just what what's interesting is that it's now available on streaming, I think on Amazon yeah. Prime. And Love I was on Netflix for like the longest time. I think it still is. And people used to get cuz there was a there's two things on Netflix. There was a Love series <laughs> which starring like Jillian uh Jillian Jacobs was in it. Uh, who was from Community and stuff like that, and then there was Love by Gaspar Noé. Two completely different <laughs> things, <laughs> completely different things. Um, uh, some other kind of modern foreign for, foreign um, art house films is one of my favorites that I saw in the recent years. Is that's Let the Right One In, yeah, uh, by Thomas Alfredson, who I think is a really um, um, underrated director. He just he just um, that last movie he did was no uh, we're not talking about oh it. we're not going to talk about, about we, that okay oh uh, the snowman uh. which is apparently atrocious which I haven't seen um, but also I think we talked about it before where like apparently like they just ran out of time filming the movie they didn't even get to film the whole script and it's like oh okay that's nice <laughs> guess we're not going to do that but he did um, let the right one in he did I also think he did Tinker Tailor yeah. Soldier Spy, yeah. yes, that was him. Um, I think he's rather underrated. He's from Sweden, I believe. Yes, he's Swedish. Yes, he's from Stockholm, Sweden. But Let the Right One In was, um, I guess, not not even famously, but it was it was remade a few years after it came out. I think it was remade. Um, it's called Let Me Two Let years me after in. it came out, Let Me In, which is uh, directed by Matt Reeves, who went on to do two out of the three Planet of the Apes movies. He's doing um, the Batman Batman. film, which we referenced very briefly earlier on, so we're coming back to that. He did also Cloverfield. Uh, (laughs) Did he do Cloverfield? Yeah, he did Cloverfield. Yeah, he he did Cloverfield. Um, So, yeah, those are some of them. We also didn't even bring up some of the other more obvious 
obvious filmmakers. I mean, we've touched on David Lynch. Everyone knows how much I love David Lynch. I think all of his films are basically art house horror films. In my opinion, maybe uh, yeah. not the straight story, but everything else. And and Dune, Dune, a straight story, uh, are not art house horror films, but um, Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, most definitely. Mulholland Drive, The Lost Highway, which is super underrated. His la- his last um, directorial feature, which was Inland Empire, most definitely. Uh, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk with Me, most definitely. Yeah. That whole series is art house horror. If you if you've watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and even uh, someone like David Cronenberg, who I know is one of Stephen's favorites, oh, yes. um, he's done art house horror as well. Uh, you could say his most of his career is art house horror. I I would say this his career is pretty much all art house films. I mean, especially I would say I would say I mean, look, I mean, a lot of his early stuff was body horror. You know that yeah. very very you know you could say even exploitative um, horror movies. Right. But as he got a little bit uh, into it, into his nineties work, he started to do a little mm. bit more cerebral movies like Existence. Um, yeah, I would even say like Naked Lunch, which was ninety yeah. one, is most definitely our house horror. Crash, uh, definitely our house yeah. horror. Existence, um, and I would even say, and then what are we looking at here? Uh, some some lists I saw. I think we talked about with Stephen with it. Um, what about um? What, what the the fly is considered art house horror? Eh, it's that's lists. a little, but that's that's uh, that maybe a little bit mainstream there. Vi- Videodrome, most what, definitely. What about the Ringer? Uh, was it the Oh Dead, Dead Ringers? Ringers. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. With um, Jeremy Irons yeah. and playing twins, uh, twin gynecologists. Yeah. Yes, that most definitely. That movie's pretty dark. Um, Jeremy Irons, underrated actor. People don't talk about him enough. Um, he's one. Let's see, let me go back because I'm all over the place when it comes to Google. Google's actually not even that big of a help. <laughs> Google's not that big of a help this time around. You know, let me see. Uh, I mean, there's so many. So, so, I mean, we've talked. I mean, there's some. Oh, even. Uh, okay, get into even more stuff. How about um, things like um, Takashi Miyake? Um, he, I believe, he did um, well, audition. Audition. About, yeah. Audition, um, old boy. I mean, I mean, this ain't that's not Takashi Miki, but old boy came to my mind. No, yeah, um, Park, right? Yeah, Chandler yeah, Park. yeah, yeah. The thing with look, uh, you know, the difficult thing with looking up Takashi Miki is that he's directed a hundred and three things, yeah, yeah. So, you might uh, as well not even go through all that. He might, I mean, we could be here. Um, I mean, he directed, uh, Audition, most definitely. Gozu, or here's another one. Uh, Ichi the Killer, yeah. which I know Stephen has yeah, seen. Yeah, I have yeah. not it's seen it's a weird Ichi the one, Killer. yeah, that's definitely art house. Yeah, um, um, Thirteen Assassins is not a horror movie, but it's amazing. So <laughs> watch it because it's a pretty gruesome what, horror, you know, uh, pretty gruesome. Uh, what about um, movie? What about so, some of uh, Darren Aronofsky's movies? Oh yeah, um, you could do Pie. Pie. Oh, Re- Requiem for a Dream is a horror Re- movie. To I make. mean, Pie. Um, even you know, you could even say uh, Mother. Mother. I mean, d- Mother definitely. Um, Black. I was going to say Black Swan is pretty kind of a horror movie yeah i mean a lot of a lot of his the thing with him is like there's a lot of stuff he's kind of more mainstream well-known similar to david cronenberg um but his films are i think are more appreciated by the art house crowd yeah i would than say I so. think they are mainstream like i told i told you yeah last when i talked about joker i talked about the walkouts i told you people walked out of mother mother is a movie that definitely is not for the mainstream crowd. <laughs> uh, although it had mainstream people in it, like Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. and it was probably at like a 
a couple of thousand theaters. Um, but of uh, the Fountain is not a horror movie, but it's definitely art it's house. It's definitely art house. Yeah, pie, like you mentioned. Yeah, most definitely. Um, let me go back to what I was looking at. Uh, oh, um, an Iranian film that I really want to mention, A Girl Walks Home Alone yeah. at Night, is an amazing film. Amazing vampire That I highly recommend movie. to people. It's a vampire film. For me, when I first watched it, I'm like, I was like, I was Gore, like, this is what yeah. this is what a vampire film would look like if it was directed by Ingmar Bergman. Yeah, it's That's black, it like black and white, you know. Black and white, and it's existential. It's fascinating film. It's really great. It's available on Blu-ray. Kino. It was available to stream for, I think it's Shout Factory. No, actually. it's a Kino release. I have it. Is it? Yeah. I think, oh, never mind. It's a Kino release. Oh. I got it. I wish I had it. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, shut up, Andrew. Shut up, damn. <laughs> um, um, I'm pretty sure many people are familiar with Guillermo del Toro, Chronos, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I would consider it our house. Also, his film that's also on the Criterion Collection, shockingly, here is. Um, oh, man. What's the it? Devil's what Backbone? It's over in my collection. The Devil's Backbone, yeah, it's over in my collection. That's why, that's why you're here, Steve. I, I, I know a couple of things. Yeah, he knows a couple of things. Um <laughs> Would you consider this is something that's very interesting here? Donnie Darko, not it's not a foreign film, it's directed by David Kelly, but do you consider that a horror film? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's sci-fi. It's definitely psychological. Um, it yeah. has a demon rabbit in it. Um, yes, it does, Frank. I mean, it's it's got it's Frank. it. You know, it's it's. Why are you wearing Why are you wearing that? I, th- I think yeah. because it is pr- pretty mainstream now because it's kind of a cult hit. Um, we might not think of it as art housey, but it. I mean, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. You also have um, funny games, which leads me into um, Michael Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah, Michael Hanukkah is a unique director. Um, he his films are very much art house films. They're not all horror related. They're more creepy. They're more disturbing on certain human levels. Like Funny Games is his most like I say horror centric movie. Um, because it's literally people torturing yeah. like this family in like the countries in a country home or summer home or something like that. That was also remade into an English language remake. By him, funny games. By him, <laughs> shot for shot remake. Shot for shot remake. Um, but he did um, what else? he did a more, which is not a horror movie, but that's just kind of like that's his lightest film. But it's also really sad and melancholic. Um, what's that movie I'm looking for? And he did, oh, The White Ribbon. The White Ribbon may not be a horror film, but it's dark. It's yeah. had dark tones have, in it. He did The Piano Teacher, right? Yeah, The Piano Teacher, which is more horrific when it's dealing with, like, psychological stuff. Yeah. These films are, the thing with art house films is that, like, things in it may not be explicitly horrific. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean it's it's I mean, a lot of times it's more horrific yeah. on a human level than it is on a uh you know hypo high, you know a fan a, fa- a, a fantasy level where there's yeah, like, like some it, they might not yeah like like oh like, they may not say like oh like that's not horror and it's like yeah it really is we're um, we're 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 desensitized by things yeah especially when they're on the screen you know we don't. We, we, we have a hard time putting ourselves in people's places because we're just there to – a lot of people are just there to be entertained. They're not thinking about, what if I was in right. that situation? You know, like – No, and a lot of these are thinking of, like, existential, like, horrors. Yeah. Like, worrying about, like, 
am I going, for example, Eraserhead, which I mentioned earlier, Eraserhead may not be a horror film on the surface because it's so effing weird and nonsensical, but the whole movie is actually, is actually, um, is actually based on the fear of parenthood by David Lynch, like his fear of becoming a father is like literally what that whole movie yeah, is about. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's, a, it's a, he's a filmmaker that's thought about a way to tell his story in a non-direct way. He's right. trying to make you think when he watches your movie, you know, watches his movie, yeah, but, you know. And then you have like very like obvious art house horror films. Like you have like this movie called House, yeah, which yeah. is literally bonkers crazy a horror movie where like these kids go to like this house Scooby -Doo. and things Scooby -Doo. and things basically come alive <laughs> like piano like comes alive and like eats a kid or like there's this crazy cat thing walking around and like like plant stuff and like it's and, like witch and all that kind of cool stuff house is crazy yeah. movie also on the criterion collection also on the criterion collection <laughs> there's also a t-shirt too which i really wish i had um it's a giant orange t-shirt with just like the cat in front of it and then you have movies like Mandy. Yeah. Mandy with Nicolas Cage, which came out last year. And that movie is bonkers That's crazy a crazy as well. movie. But it's obviously a horror movie because Nicolas Cage is getting revenge on, like... It, it has one of my favorite stuff. scenes that I saw last year where he's fighting this, he's fighting this weird creature in his living room. Right. And he, like, he, he kills it. And then he, like, takes a, a big sniff of cocaine off of his, like, piece of glass... <laughs> And then he goes to fight more. It's hilarious. I thought you were gonna like mention the scene where he just walking around in his underwear screaming. Well, that's I great mean, too. That's a pretty but, good. But yeah, the, the scene great. where he just sniffs a bunch of cocaine on off of a piece of glass is just it's amazing. And then there's moments where like he's he's like killing like these weird cenobite like demon creatures with like a chain with like a giant axe thing i need I mean, to watch that movie crazy. again it's been a while yeah i immediately bought that movie it's actually i think it's streaming on hulu right now yeah. as of like this recording. yeah i have it too i got it right away too yeah and then you've got movies that start out one way and end up being completely something else yeah and that's when we get into a movie that I think many people know about, and that's called Martyrs. Yeah, yeah. This also has an American remake, I think, which I never watched because it didn't <laughs> need to be remade. And honestly, I don't think I could rewatch this movie. Um, it's 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 a movie that um, starts out as a revenge film and then turns into something completely different. And it's it's notorious for being extremely graphic. Yeah. It, and, that, and it kind of slips into a different form of horror where it's like the um the torture it's more exploit it's, it's more exploitative yeah there in the 2000s i think when this film came out yeah 2008 the 2000s i think we had this um uh crop of torture porn films films that i guess are more like uh not, like kind of like gross out films films i i forgot what they what the horror subgenre was called i think it was called like squish or something like that <laughs> i don't know i don't know something weird where like um but you move get you get like the saw movies the hostile films um you know things like that and they and, and that was part of it where basically people kind of just wanted to see like gross stuff on screen things like you know torture and stuff like that which those movies were notorious for well typically, typically back in the now. day you know like when we had slasher movies we would get, you know, we would get that blood, but it would here be, it'd be there and it would be gone. And and in yeah, these go. movies, uh, it, we would take our time, and you would like torture people, and you would stay stay with it, and it's yeah, just more about it, trying not, to gross you out. Yeah, and it wasn't like, squish horror. What was I think it's splatter horror. Squish, no, squish horror sounds better. 
Yeah, splatter horror, which was like deliberately focused on graphic portrayals of gore and graphic violence, human centipede, um, blood feast, you know, maniac, you know, hostile saw, stuff I just said. But man, if you want to see all of these subgenres, go on to Wikipedia and look up horror genre, and there's just tons of them. And a lot of them have like their own, and and I think, and I would say the, um, the art house genre kind of falls into some of these. You know what I mean? I, like, I think there, there's the, the, that type of that one's because a little art house horror. Art house horror kind of like incorporates different. Things. It, do, it like, does, but I think the, the more exploitative ones I don't feel as art housey to me. Um, for example, you know. you know what's considered an art house horror film, but it's also considered a slasher film. It's a film we did a spotlight on, Peeping Tom. Okay. Yeah, Peeping Tom, um, and then you've got like. You know, there, there's like I find that one to be a little horror. bit straightforward to be art house, oh, but really okay. I think it's more art house because I just think like the way I we just... broke it down. You know what I mean? The way we broke it down was pretty art. It, it's artistically done. I think it's artistically you know I mean? done because it's made by artistic director. But yeah, I mean, that's it's, also true. But it, but it, but it, but it's it, you know, I don't know. I I don't. I, I find that one to be a pretty easy watch. Oh, um, this one here and this one, I don't think you can go against. Okay, you, okay, you know, I'm, I I'm these movies. Uh, horror dra- horror drama is a subgenre, right? Yeah. And in here they include the Babadook. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Let Let the Right One In, yeah. Antichrist, uh, Audition, uh, The Sixth Sense. Very hmm. interesting. That's a little. That's a little. I mean, it is. That's it a is more mainstreaming. Yeah. But I don't know that I consider it art house. That definitely not mm. art house. Yeah, but those other ones most definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, for example, I mean, and. Um, would you consider Evil Dead art house horror? Because, and I, I think this is the argument I'll make, um, extremely low budget, probably only shown in or appreciated by art house viewers, um, and just because of you know, it, it just it's just just because of the weirdness of it. You know what it I mean? May, you know, the, maybe. I mean, I, it, yeah. it's also a movie that you would have to think about it in the perspective of its time. Right. You know, so for the time, you know, it definitely did some weird things, maybe. Um, I mean, Sam Raimi's kind of on that, like, uh, he's always kind of kind of been a guy that s- sticks in the indie realm. Um, he's done a right. co- couple mainstream well, movies, but... Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, Spider-Man and the, the, the one Wizard of Oz movie. Oz Great oh, and... Oh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I was at a store the other day and I was like, I almost bought it. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because <laughs> I, I got a, I have a Sam Raimi section in my collection and it just, I need to. He's add just to filling it. spots. Just filling in, just filling, <laughs> just checking off boxes, checking off boxes. Uh, my my uh, obsessive compulsive disorder just kicking yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's yeah, yeah, you know, there's a good debate for that one. Yeah. I would say the, I would say there is. Um, I would also say. Um, I mean, this is. I mean, the thing is, is somebody could come yeah. in here and argue all film is art. I mean, God, Scorsese True. wouldn't say Marvel is. There's no, you know, <laughs> but 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 you know, like all film has art in it, definitely. But you know, we're we're looking at films that that take horror in a direction that's a little bit more cerebral. Um, Very true. Yeah. Um, also, films. Let's see. And present that cerebralness in a non-formulaic way. You know. I'll say this: uh, there, there are two films by this specific director that are that I would consider art house films, and they are within the horror genre. But they're not; they're taking on certain like mainstream portion part of the horror genre, but taking them in an art house direction. 
And that is uh, Jim Jarmusch's The Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah. And then his most recent film, um, which I can't remember even though I saw it in the theater, and did a review on it. Um, the Dead Don't Die, I believe is the title of the movie. Yeah, The Dead Don't yeah, Die. It, it, and, and, and Only Lovers Left Alive, it's a vampire movie, but it's not traditionally a vampire movie. Yeah. He's blending art house, his art house sensibilities with the vampire genre. Uh, that movie stars Tilda Swinton, um, the late uh, Anton Yelchin is in it, and then, um, what's his name, Tom Hiddleston is in it, and it's kind of like a vampire rock rock, um, rock star going through like an existential crisis or something like that. Um, it's really, really fantastic. Um, I highly recommend a lot of people seeing it. And The Dead Don't Die is basically kind of like a... It's a zombie movie, but like it's it's a zombie movie that's spoofing zombie movies. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense, it's kind of hating hating on zombie movies. It's like an anti genre movie. Anti genre genre movie. It makes it makes weird sense. Well, you um, yeah, you, something came to my mind when you were talking about Anton Yelchin. What about um, hmm. Jeremy Saulnier's films? Uh, Ooh, hit, uh, Green Room, Bl- Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin is a revenge film, but. It's, I don't know if it's a horror film per se. I wouldn't se. say it's horror film per se, but uh, I'd say Green Room Green, Green Room is more. Green Room is pretty, is, is, is in that range for me. And then his. Just because you're dealing with like horrific elements in it, you know. Yeah. They, no no spoilers here, but they're, they're like a young rock and roll group that's playing in a Nazi bar in like the deep, deep south. And there's, and the song they sing, they sing is like, isn't like Nazi punks, it's a cover of like Nazi punks, where it's an anti-Nazi song, and then, anywho, they end up getting uh, like like trapped there, and they gotta like fight their way out. It's pretty pretty gruesome. And then, and then also his other his newest film, Hold the Dark, has got some you know mm. you know I've not seen you it didn't yet. see it. it. It was on Netflix, a Netflix film. Oh my goodness! I did yeah, the see one it. where he's the hunter. Uh, the hunter goes. Yes, yeah. yes. It's got I did um see it. Jer- J- Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright's in it. Uh, Alexander um, Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård's yeah. in it. It's really good. I did see that. Yes, almost completely forgot about it. Um, another film that I haven't that I haven't mentioned yet is the movie that I love. I think it was in my top ten of 2017, and that is Raw. Yeah, yeah. Raw is an awesome French film, psychological film. It's a cannibalistic film, so there's going to be some parts in it that may gross you out, but it's taking. These, this idea of kind of like um, coming of age and incorporating, correlating it with like this hunger for human flesh. And like this hunger for human flesh also unleashes a sexual hunger as well. And it's a very, you know, an allegory for, you know, young person, you know, becoming sexually uh, um, exploratory or, you know, arriving and whatnot. Um, it's fantastic. It, I think it's that, a great That film. movie makes me think of the uh, one movie, Teeth which could be yeah man that's an art horse horror yeah. movie that is i've seen it um uh what's it what, what what's the condition called um the condition's um, called gen uh it's it's called like oh i don't want to say this but vaginal dentata i believe is the condition <laughs> yeah that's it vaginal dentata is that what it is? yeah that's it oh man wow i can't believe i pulled that one out um i've only seen the movie once yeah it's a it's a it's a very anti-sex movie, I'll tell you that. That and uh, Requiem for a Dream, which is like a, the best anti-drug movie. <laughs> um, anti-sex movie is one, um, if you want to get our house horror, is is that movie and then It Follows. Yeah, definitely. It Follows is 
kind of a more modern film. When did that movie come out? Like it's three, been four about years five ago? years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Time time is relative. It just keeps yeah. moving. Um, and it follows basically the plot of that movie is is that like, um, is you basically pass on this this creature or this thing that hunts you until like kills you through sex. So like, if you have sex with someone, they pass this curse on essentially. And it's, the movie's basically about these kids, like, trying to not die. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Trying to not, like, not, like, trying to outrun death, if you will. Very, you know, you know, kind of uh, thematic in that, in that regard. Um, I thought, I dug it. It, it. it came out 2014, so Stephen was right five years ago. I saw it in the theater. I, I think I own it. Um, I dig it. Yeah, I, I like it, too. It. It, it, the way it's Robert filmed... Mitchell, is very. It, it, I think it recalls like uh, original Halloween. Um, has that kind of feel oh, where yeah, there's a lot yeah, of like long does. zooms. Yeah. Uh, oh, and there's a lot of moments where like, in like us as viewers in the background can see the thing coming, yeah. and the people have no idea. And I kind of like those things. It's it's a very overused trope. It, it's something that a lot of modern horror. I mean, even um, you know another. A couple films from a director we haven't talked about yet. Um, mm. Our uh, guy that did Hereditary, and um, oh, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster. Him uh, that and the m- most recent uh, Midsommar. Midsommar to me is a horror yeah. movie. Yeah, it's dealing with it. Midsommar is kind of a modern take on The Wicker Man, yeah. but set in Sweden, and and it's more about um, like toxic toxic relationships and cult shit. I mean, it's a crazy movie. Yeah. Um, it just came out on Blu-ray like a week ago. Um, so if anybody's interested, it's, it's available. It's good. It, I saw it in theater with people, and it got a little weird. It's weird. Got a little weird. I'm not gonna lie. Watching art house art house horror movies in theaters with people are very uncomfortable. At it's times. uncomfortable, and it's funny to watch <laughs> people walk out. Oh uh, yeah, or it's like the way people react. Like some people just start busting out laughing because things get so weird. That's their only yeah. form of reaction. Um, another film that I talk I'll talk about revenge a little bit is a movie called Revenge, yeah. which um, came out in last year. Um, it's a that movie is also kind of underrated. It's, it's a graphic graphic film. I can't remember what country of origin that was from. Um, of course, you type in revenge and you get a bunch of different things. Um, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea where. I think it was, it was an oh, Australian. It was French. Oh, French. French, because it says country, France, <laughs> Belgium. Oh, I guess, I guess oh, it's Belgium. Oh, Usually, sometimes on I oh, it's language, French and English, yeah. But it's another film where, and this happens a lot in just the horror genre in general, and it's something that I think is becoming really old and lazy, is when women get revenge in a lot of these movies, it's due to, um, it's due to rape, basically. Yeah. And it's a trope that just keeps getting like used like over I spit on your grave over and over again. Yeah, like I spit on your grave. I mean, even the last house on the left was something yeah. like that. Virgin Spring, which I mentioned earlier. There's there's tons of these movies. There are even art house horror movies. There are dramas. There are other you know other forms of movies. But it's just an I mean shit. Trope. I mean I mean Cat Catwoman. That kind of yeah. kind of has a little bit of that. I mean, not necessarily rape, but mistreated woman about- mis. I'm talking about Tim Burton. And, I mean, just like the, in her story that she's a mistreated female uh, that that. Are you talking about the Halle Berry movie? In that, I thought that was just the, the her her origins in general. Oh, I mean, she's had a bunch of different origins. There are her origin in in some things is she's a cat burglar. Okay. Um, 
in 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 Frank Miller's year one, I think she's like um, a prostitute of some kind or something like that. I got you. I, please don't misquote me, but it's something like that. Um, I'm not the comic book she's guy. A cat so. But I would say in Tim Burton's Batman, you know, she's a mistreated like you know secretary or yeah. assistant by Max Schreck, who is um, uh, Christopher Walken, who coincidentally was in Cronenberg's The Dead Zone, which is kind of like more our house kind of horror. But granted, it's based off of a well-known novel. But Max Schreck was the name of um, was I think was the name of. In Nosferatu, I'm pretty sure Mac Mac Shrek was was no the it was actor's Count name. Orlock. It was the actor's name? Yeah, Max Shrek was the actor's name of Count Orlock in yeah Murnau's Nosferatu. That's what the connection is. Yeah, that's the connection. That's all this this art house horror connection. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going like back in the day with uh, Suspiria, which I mentioned, Tenebrae, The Beyond. Uh, another movie called um, The Addiction, which came out in '95, which I actually really want to see. Um, we talk- you also have uh, this movie called uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man came yeah. out in 1989 this is a movie I hear is pretty crazy I haven't seen it yet um, and it's directed by uh, I can't even pronounce that oh, here we go Steven uh, Shinya Sukamoto that sounds pretty good or Su- uh, uh, Sukamoto yeah that's I think that's that's Tetsuo the Iron Man I've heard about that movie for years um, you have um uh, let's see. More modernly, uh, we, we, we could talk about uh, Yorgos Lanthimos a little bit. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, you could say Dogtooth. Dogtooth. Yeah. Dogtooth, Killing of a Sacred Deer. You want to hear something crazy? I think I brought this up before. Apparently those movies are considered dark comedies. Uh, I, I could I could <laughs> see how um, there is definitely some like weird comedy in the movies, but I mean... I don't think they get enough credit for their darkness, though. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I especially dog secret Dogtooth dog is really fucking. It's dark. really dark. To my language, yeah, like it's really, really dark. Like basically, the premise of Dogtooth, if I remember correctly, I've only seen the movie once. It was actually on. Uh, it was on Netflix for years. I don't know if it's still on there. I doubt it. It also Netflix has kinda... a kino release. <laughs> it it does. Yeah, yeah it yeah it does. Yeah. Uh, Dogtooth came out two thousand and nine. Basically, uh, three teenagers live isolated without leaving their house because their overprotective parents say they can only leave when their dog tooth falls out. It's a it's a film about many different things, but it's dark in the sense like uh, it's commenting on kind of overprotectiveness and kind of super conservativeness that we see within our society, where like you know, kids like. Um, like you know, like in this movie, like these kids can't even leave the house. Yeah. They can't leave like this little, this home that they live in because the parents are so afraid of like outside influence corrupting them and things like that. And it shows the dangers of that over time can just like blow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, Dogtooth for me, I thought was wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing in this <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> I was like, more like just like with my mouth open, just kind of like, like oh wondering goodness. what the hell's going on. It, yeah, it leads to a lot of like dangerous things because those types of things can. That type of um, oppression and that type of like lack of freedom can lead to dangerous and you know compromising things, and we see it throughout our society all the time. Um, but yeah, so Dogtooth is great. Um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster eh. is not quite. It's, a it's more movie. that is more comedy, I think. 
I think the, the, the premise of that movie where basically like um, when your spouse dies, you go to this place and you choose whether what animal you want to be reincarnated with if you can't find another mate. Basically, yeah. that's the premise of that movie. And I think uh, and Colin Farrell's character decides to, he wants to become a lobster or something like that. Um, and his brother's a dog. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, Rachel Weisz is in that movie. Colin Farrell's in that movie. I think John C. Riley's in it, too. Uh, it's 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 good, but yeah, Gorgos Lanthimos has has some of the oddest films that you'll ever see. He, what's interesting, his most recent film, um, uh, uh, The Favorite, is probably his most uh, accessible movie. Yeah, and his easiest film to kind of um, grapple with. And even then, it's kind of a it's an art house film. Yeah. What, what um, now? What 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 do you think about Jordan Peele's <laughs> Us? Be, be, and I know it's mainstream. Uh, I know a lot of people saw. Yeah, I was it. actually gonna. I was actually thinking of both us and get out. get out. To me, I don't know that I would consider that art housey, but I think us has a little bit of an art house feel. I think they're. I honestly would put them both in that art house feel. Okay. So, uh, the reason and the argument I make for Get Out is, is just the the audience reaction to it when people were going to it expecting it to be a traditional horror movie and what they ended up getting was essentially an an episode of the twilight zone an allegorical episode of the twilight zone about racism and um you know you know you know white the way the white community treats black community and the the views and all that kind of stuff you know i mean you know what's called race relations that's the term i'm looking for race relations and things like that um What's interesting is that movie was wasn't it put in the comedy section for uh, the Golden Globes and uh. Jordan Peele was like tell me about that movie that you find funny about that movie I'll say this though that movie has a lot of darkly comedic moments in the way in which it it, it so blatantly treats race relations yeah. like there's that whole scene within it where basically the characters being shown off to all of these older like these old upper class rich white suitors or whatever and they're just asking him like all these odd questions like you know how much you know like how much do you bench press or what how how well do you golf and all yeah. these rid- ridiculous like things and they're just viewing him as like a you know a, a commodity or something like that i don't want to give anything away and those scenes are like awkwardly funny um but that film is is i think at our house because it's non-traditional horror sure and it's allegorical and things like that and it's really fascinating to me. Us is even more non-traditional horror, in my opinion, although it has more traditional horror things in it. But the story in it is so yeah, interesting, unique, and and allegorical, and what he's trying to say about relationships between light and dark, good and bad, all of those things, and just the way people relate to one another, and you know, maybe we aren't as far away from our dark sides as we think we are. Um, I find that to be endlessly what, fascinating. What do you think about um, something like American Psycho? <clears throat> Where does that fly? You think? Oh, I think that's art house horror. Yeah, it's... I, I I think it is because one, it's it's a. It, it it's co- it's comedy horror to me. Yeah, it's definitely comedy. Stuff in it is it's so definitely satirical. Absurd. It's satirical about like nineteen eighties. It's satirical about like hyper masculinity yeah. and like toxic masculinity, which I don't think is a term people even used when that movie came out. That's more of a modern term. But just the character of Patrick Bateman is just so narcissistic that you can't help but laughing at his narcissism and his and his psychosis. 
Um, yeah, it, it it's a movie that is just I've watched it so many times because I think it's so unique. Um, directed by a woman, people don't seem to realize Mary Harron. I'm uh, not Mary Harron. Um, yeah, maybe it was Mary Harron. Um, American Psycho. Um, it's also based. It's based on a book that apparently it's much different than I think the movie for the most part. Apparently the book is more gruesome, uh, which is kind of yeah, makes sense to me. You can do more, I guess, in a book than you can on screen. Christian Bale, who before, way, yeah, Mary Harron, I was right. I should trust my instincts more. <laughs> Damn it, Stephen, why didn't you I, tell I, me I, I wanted that? you to figure out your success there. Oh. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, I think it's our house horror. For me, I think it's become more mainstream uh, in the years since then. I, I, think, I think it's think because it's Christian Bale became Batman. Yeah, because he became huge. <laughs> uh, that kind of that helps. Um, it also has, like, who else is in the movie? Jared Leto's in the yeah. movie. Justin Theroux's in the movie. Chloe Sevigny, Reese Witherspoon. But it's kind of, it's a, uh, it's a satirical movie about masculinity. It's a satirical movie about, like, the 80s as well. Yeah. You know, hip to be square and Hugh Lewis in the news and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did, I actually wrote, like, a whole paper on that way back way back when I was in taking taking courses and whatnot. Um, another movie that I wanted to talk about, um, actually, there's actually a lot of movies, but I don't have <laughs> too much time. Um, what are some... Well, I, I was well, going to say, bring here's, this here's one up. A... I want to bring this one. I'll, I'll pose this question okay, to you. Okay. I talk, I, we talked about it beforehand. Annihilation. Annihilation, yeah. Alex Garland's film. I mean, ex you could Machina. even say Ex Machina, is, yeah. Um, ex Machina is definitely a horror, in my it's opinion. De- I mean, definitely the, the scenario it presents um, and, and the result it presents is horrific. And that's the thing, you know. I mean, like, it might not on paper sound like a horror movie, but ultimately what the movie, you know, projects is very horrific. And uh, and mm. I, would, I would definitely say Ex Machina is pretty close there. I would say it's... On the borderline, and Annihilation, I think visually uh, has a lot more horrific things in it. Um, it's definitely they're definitely very borderline art house sci fi horror. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, it, I would I would um, say yes. I would say yes. Yeah. Let's see. Another another yeah. another director I was going to bring up to you was uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. Thank you. Uh, Thank you because I forgot to mention. Yeah, Neon him. Demon I'm... Um, is is a good one. Um, yeah, Neon Demon, I think, is, is definitely his art house horror film. Um, I'm a big Nicholas Winding Refn fan. I don't know if you know if big is, a, is the right term. I like his work. His work is very stylized, very unique. Um, Drive seems to me his most popular film, because I think Drive is his most um, accessible. linear and accessible yeah. film. Um, the one he did after that threw people Only God <laughs> completely forgives, overboard. Yeah. Only God Forgives, which is an insane film. That's an art house film. Whether it's a horror art house film, I think is perhaps up for debate. I mean, I couldn't even tell you what that film is actually about. It's <laughs> about so many different things. Um, but Neon Demon, most definitely. Yeah. I think Neon Demon has a lot of horror elements in it. Um, it's, yeah, I, I really like his style. And he's not a kind of foreign filmmaker who's not afraid to go there um, just because he. Um, he just you know one of those foreign sensibilities and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of other ones I wanted to talk about. Uh, we talked about Mandy, uh, Hereditary. We talked a little bit about Ari Aster. Hereditary and Midsommar are very similar to one another. Um, how about um, no? That's not really art house. Um, oh, you know it's a movie that I 
thought was going to be a big art house hit and I saw it in the theater and I saw it like late at night and it it comes at night. Yeah. I know this is a film that you didn't quite I, I didn't love it. Upon. Um, yeah. I didn't love it, but it, it was it's not terrible. I just found that it, by the end of the movie it didn't really give me what I wanted. I, I mean, I, I know the movie has uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I know it, it, it's messages within the movie and that it's not necessarily about the end result because it's mm. it's more about the message of of these people living together in isolation, you know, like right. But um, yeah, I, I it's definitely art house, definitely. Now I, I definitely want to mention this one. I think because I touched upon it earlier, The Witch, but I didn't really talk about it. And the reason why I want to bring up The Witch is because one of us has seen. Robert Eggers' follow-up to this film, The Lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, is that an art house horror? Uh, most definitely. Um, okay. It's definitely Just mythological. There's a lot of you know mythology going on, and dude, it's this dude is in love with um, black and white. Well, and ger- ger- German expressionism, like he weird, weird accents. Yeah, he's he, oh, he's <laughs> definitely in love. With, see, what I love about that is, is I think that. Not only, you know, especially with the lighthouse, he he shoots it in a. I don't know what the you're you're more in tune with the aspect ratio stuff. Right. But this basically, I know it's very narrow. It's very. It's we basically a box. Up. It's basically a square, mm. um, and that makes you focus on the screen a lot more. Um, and the and also Ooh. also, I think because he he his films, the language in his films are you know though in English are in very thick accents. Right. Um, it makes you have to listen like more. Um, and I think that that's yeah. interesting. I think that that's, that's a way to make people pay attention to your film more. Um, but you know, it's, it's an, it's an amazingly weird, weird movie. Some people are not loving it. Our friend Dan didn't really love it. Um, but it's, you know, I'm going to, yeah, it. yeah. I think you're going to love I, it. It's, it's, yeah, I didn't say this beforehand. I probably should have. I love these types of movies to me. My favorite types of movies are like dark, cerebral, like surreal, non-linear, crazy. Wacky the more I have to think films, about the movie, they're my favorites. The more I have to like think about what the hell was going on, like try to figure <laughs> out it. that, like it's like oh. it's like figuring out a puzzle. If you like puzzles, right. you know, like I yeah. like sometimes I like a movie. I, I do like movies that don't make me think too. Sure, I like to I mm-hmm. like to have it easy sometimes, but a lot of times I, I'm I'm in. I always want to have a puzzle. Sometimes I want to be able to watch a movie and be like, wow. That was trying to say something. I, sometimes I get it right off the bat, and sometimes I have to go back and I have to watch it again. Right? Yeah. You know, and um, that's what filmmakers like, want you to do: is you want you to watch true. your movie I mean, multiple times. <laughs> the best filmmakers, I think, for me, are the less obvious ones. They're the ones that I that are trying to make their films really complex and really kind of using the medium for more than just entertainment. Yeah. They're using the medium for, you know, artistic expression and things like that. Um, just following up what you were saying about the aspect ratio, the aspect ratio of the lighthouse is one, it's one, one, nine to one aspect ratio. So we're talking very, very thin aspect ratio. Yeah. Um, it's, it's basically like a rectangle. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like the whole yeah, it's movie's like a box or a rectangle. The whole movie's like yeah. a painting. It's like a, it's like mm. a, a frame on the wall. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, it's old school. Um, I'm, I'm sure he shot on film, um, let me see. It wouldn't. It's because it says it. It right would here. surprise it says, me if he didn't. I I have no idea what this is. It just says Panavision, Panaflex, Millennium XL2, 
it doesn't really tell me. But it, it's uh, thirty-five millimeter. It says thirty-five millimeter negative. Yeah, so I'm assuming. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah, he, definitely. He, it's a beautiful. That's movie. not a. That's not digital. It's a dark movie. Um, it, mm. it's uh, it's definitely a it has a noir aspect to it in a lot of scenes. Um, it's it's and it's it's definitely um has a Lynchian vibe to it. Uh, good. So you'll love it. <laughs> yeah. So lighthouse. Um. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Um, it also is pretty funny too. <laughs> oh, good. It's also oh, got good. some darkly funny really stuff help. in there. Yeah. Um, because the I I think I mentioned this movie before. The oddest aspect ratio I've ever seen in a movie is one to one, which was Xavier Dolan's well, Xavier Dolan's mommy is a one to one aspect ratio, and that looks like it's really close to what to what this is. Um, and it's really just fascinating to me um another types of movies that I, um i mean what is interesting is um there's um uh jennifer kent who directed babadook also did this movie called nightingale which came yeah, out, just came out um, this, this year, year. Yeah. and it, it got a very very limited release and i didn't i didn't get to see it and i don't even know when it's going to be available to watch in any other format um on so i but i know that's kind of like a a revenge type movie, kind of. It, it's a horror movie because I think it deals with, once again, uh, rape and, and the graphicness of it. Um, there's another director, Ty West, who did the movie called The House of the Devil, which is kind of another art house horror film. Um, I think he also did. Um, uh, no, he didn't do. I've heard the, the innkeepers. Name. Yeah, Ty West. He did the. He did. Um, the Innkeepers. Yeah, it's another yeah, yeah. kind of modern, like a smaller art house horror film. Um, he did, um, he did one of those segments for VHS. He did a Cabin Fever too. These aren't like great, but there was another one I was just looking at. Um, oh, um, Adam Wingard did a movie called You're Next, which I think is kind of underrated. Um, he's kind of gone more mainstream though. He's kind of gone more rain, more mainstream now, but uh, what do you think about Mike Flanagan, who kind of started out in that kind of indie um, art house horror range? Um, he started out uh, specifically. I I saw his movie the other day called Absentia. I had never seen this I movie seen before. In in Absentia, um, it's available to watch. Where did I watch it? Um, was it Amazon Prime or something like that? But it's a very very art house film, very low budget, and it's one of his earliest films. Right after that, he did Oculus, and then he did Hush, and then like his film, his filmography's only grown since. Yeah, then. he's he, now he's, he's, he's doing Doctor Sleep. Yeah, he's I gonna mean. say I'm seeing Doctor Sleep tomorrow night. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, you're going to one of those thir- uh, October thirtieth screenings. Yes. Yeah, the Fandango screenings. Yeah. I got to see if that's playing anywhere around here. I doubt it because nothing around here is is cool. <laughs> um, unfortunately. Um, well, he's de- about, he's definitely uh, got more mainstream. He's got yeah, he's definitely got more. He's gotten mainstream. hooked up with Stephen King stuff. Um, yeah. Um, another one is uh, Greg uh, Craig Zoller, Bone Tomahawk. I was gonna bring him up. Film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bone Tomahawk has got did, horror elements, definitely. Yo, yeah. Uh, you seen that third act? Yeah, yeah it did. <laughs> but but, but <laughs> they're also, I would say, I mean, though it's it's on the borderline. It's a little bit more exploitative than anything. Yeah, very his true. movies are all exploitation movies. I mean, and he also did um, uh, what's that? Cell, uh, the, brawl? the brawl, brawl in cell block ninety nine, yeah. Which I think is mm, not really a whole. I mean, 
those prisons that uh, what's his name was rolling through were pretty horrific to me. Um, yeah, Anna Lilia Mirapur is the one who did um, the girl walks home alone at night. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually I'm looking at a list of just like kind of art house directors changing the game. Um, that's that's kind of that's this article I'm looking at on the playlist. It's twelve art house directors who have changed who have changed the horror game. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we've named a, a a, 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 quite a few. Yeah, there's a few of them here that we've already gotten into. Oh, I mean, this is an art house horror film I saw the other day, and I want to bring it up because I, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is, and that is um, uh, American Mary. Okay. It is a... It, it's a, I think I saw it on Amazon Prime. Um, American Mary is a really, like, interesting, dark... Um, underrated art house like under like art house horror film um it stars uh Catherine Isabel who had, at, who horror fans will know who she is she was in Ginger Snaps she was one of the sisters in Ginger Snaps okay. um and yeah it's a really cool film basically like um uh, she she's an she's a medical student and she starts she starts doing like underground um surgeries in order to make like lots of money and she ends up kind of being like consumed by that world, and she starts like using her like um, her you know her education in the human anatomy to like torture people and stuff like that. It's pretty bloody and pretty pretty gruesome body horror type stuff, you know what I mean? When it comes to th- like you know human anatomy and things like that. But I also wanted to mention Ginger Snaps because it's not quite an art house horror film, but it is for me because it's kind of more of a cult film. But for me, because it's low budget, it's it was under the radar when it came out around two thousand, and it came out in two thousand, and it's a film that's a werewolf film, but it's also combining um, um, like sexual coming of age for young, you know, young women, as well as you know, werewolfism, and it's really, really fascinating for a film that has such a low budget and was really, you know, unable to utilize really great special effects for the wolves. It really made it. It really made the most of it when it came to its its themes versus when it came to its you know exposition of just being like oh here's a wolf just walking around eating people yeah. you know what I mean like like kind of hides those things because it doesn't have the budget to to show those things um, it's it, it, I thought it was really ingenious when it did it when when it came to that when it came to that um, yeah we've gone through lots and lots of movies. What are we looking at in, in terms of time here? I think we're I think say. we're about closed mm. up here. It's an hour twenty minutes. Yeah, we're I, about hour twenty minutes. You talked a yeah, I mean, there, we cover a lot of ground. The, it's literally endless when it comes to um, and it's literally obviously subjective. So you know, mm, we we could have you know said things that you might I feel not like agree I'm with. Forget, I, for some reason, I feel like I'm forgetting some big modern ones, um, and I hate myself for it. Uh, and, Let's see. Da, 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 da. I don't think so. I mean, not... I mean, there's some other movies. There's like, um, uh, what's his name? Ben Wheatley, who's kind of an English film director. He did a movie called A Field in England. It's kind of a horror movie. Oh, wait, you know, one thing I forgot to bring up. Carnival of Souls. Okay. Man, Carnival of I Souls is a so. Criterion movie. Crazy movie. It's great. The Innocence. Um, from 1961, the Jack Clayton film. It's another criteria. Yeah, that film. one's pretty arty. It deals yeah. with like ghosts and kind of like, you know, things like that. Um, even something like, um, 
don't even know if it's a horror movie. It's just a weird, surreal movie. Last year at Marion Bod, um, when you're yeah, dealing with a kind of... Oh, Don't Look Now. Don't Look Now, I would consider an R-House horror movie. Um, and that's the movie. That's another Nicholas Rogue film. You know, this movie stars... Um, uh, what's in it? Donald Sutherland's in it. Julie Christie, I believe, is in it. Um, Eyes Without a Face, we talked about... Oh. I didn't bring this guy up because he's a piece of crap human being and <laughs> everybody hates him. Um, um, Roman Polanski pretty much got his career doing, like, started his career doing art house horror movies with Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, um, movies like that. Even Knife in the Water is kind of an art house horror movie, which is one of his early films. But, you know, he's a piece of garbage human being, so we don't really like to bring him up. Um, but yeah, but those movies I think are kind of important to know. Um, let's see. Oh, another. Um, yeah, we brought up. We talked about Mario Bava. This is a film that keeps coming up, and I don't know if it's art house horror, and I don't think it is because Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho is not an art house horror movie. It is for the way it's made and for like its like like theme thematic depth and all that kind of stuff. But Alfred Hitchcock was a major film guy back in the back in yeah, the yeah he was he was this like his movies were he was the Christopher Nolan of his time you know he people think like he's like because people study him in film schools and all that kind of stuff and courses and stuff like that thinking like he's like some underground like somebody that nobody knows about no Alfred Hitchcock made mainstream movies that like large groups of people went to see back in yeah. the day he was one of those first kind of big mainstream guys who was making commercial movies and he knew he was making commercial movies for like the masses uh, The Shining is another one that I talked about with Stephen before I see coming up on these lists the, the meaning of The Shining is pretty mainstream granted when it came out people didn't uh, people didn't like it because of how artsy it is you know, back in the day, I think it was nominated for, like, several Razzies, including Steve, uh, Stanley Kubrick for Worst Director. Yeah. And now it's considered, a, you know, a, um, a horror masterpiece. Um, Quieten we've talked about, uh, and I think, yeah, we're, I think we're pretty we're, much We're good. pretty covered. Um, I mean, there's there's so much more. It's all, like we, like forever. I said earlier, subjective, and it could all all be, yeah. you, yeah, I mean, there's stuff yeah, that if, you if might Steven consider art, yeah. arty and stuff that we, we might have said that yeah. you don't you don't consider art house. But, I mean, if... Film is if, film is uh, to me if the movie's got something it's trying to project, I, I it's mm. got some kind of art there. I think um, right. Yeah, if Stephen doesn't stop me from talking, I'm never going to. He's stop never going to keep trying movies. to trail off and find some more. I gotta, I gotta. <laughs> I never want to stop talking about movies. Yeah, oh, well, well we never do, but you know, we you know for the viewers' sake. Yeah, he's got to wrangle you know, me in. He just got just got to wrangle me in. Viewers' sake, we got to cut it here. We usually stay about an hour and a half, so. But that'll be it for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. I'm Stephen Billings. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Cinema Discovery Project. I throw all my goodies on there that I buy. Um, where can we find you, Andrew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cabzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Cabzilla Productions. And you can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean or uh, Apple Podcasts. And that will be it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please put in all your comments uh, down. Please give us a rating on iTunes. That would be great. I'd like like to see more ratings on there. If you have any comments you want to throw in there, throw it in there, and we'll, we'll see if we can get to it on the next show. Thanks for listening, and hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will.